It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter where you are in life, no matter what's coming your way. And today we're wrapping up our series on thriving tools. I've been trying to help you build your thriving toolbox and been thinking about my own thriving toolbox and how I'm doing with that, how I'm using those tools and how I could do a better job. So we're all in this together as we're working to thrive and find different ways of moving forward in our life, of increasing our resilience, our ability to move forward no matter what life is throwing our way because life does throw things our our way. When you're thriving, it doesn't mean that life is a piece of cake, that life is one slide to easy street. This is about how you deal with the fact that life is going to throw you things and it's going to throw you off. And the task for you is to continue to move forward regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of the tough times, regardless even of the good times. Sometimes we're lured into this false sense of security And it's those good times that do it, right? And then suddenly something kicks in. Last week I was uh, listening to a a story from somebody who'd written into me. and, And as I was reading through, one of her statements caught me. She said, I'm in this constant pattern. The pattern is that things start to go better. And and just when I think things are on their way up, suddenly something happens and it and it proves to me that I really wasn't moving up. Suddenly everything crashes down. And And I think that's the hidden problem. We have this belief that that's what should be happening, that, you know, we should get that bad stuff behind us. And then once we're moving forward, that nothing else is going to happen bad. And if it does, it just proves to us that, you know, we have messed up or that the universe is trying to teach us a lesson or that life isn't fair or some other non-thriving kind of self-talk that we tend to do. So the question we've been talking about these these last few weeks is what are the tools that we can put into place to help us when things are going well, to make sure that we have the priorities, when things are going tough, to make sure we move through them. And today, I want to wrap it up with with something that may be self-evident, but I want to challenge how we think about it. And that's the idea of confidence. We live in a culture that is inundated with this idea of self-esteem and self-confidence to the point that I think we've actually played against what we're trying to get to. Some time back, you might remember that suddenly self-esteem was the big thing about parenting. We were trying to parent kids into being about self-esteem. And by the way, next week, we'll start a new series on parenting kids to be resilient, to be thriving kids. And so this is one of those crossover moments today when we think about how we view confidence and it rolls out to how we help kids be confident. And so this research was telling parents about how they needed to help their kids feel good about themselves. And really, that was the whole root of where it boiled down, that kids should feel good about themselves. Nathaniel Brandon, when he talked about self-esteem in his seminal research, that's not what he was talking about. He thought that people should feel good for doing good. And we forgot that last piece. So today we're kind of talking about how all of that comes together in this idea of confidence. But first, let's talk about the roots of that, that we should be confident people, right? That we have this idea that we should just be confident. And if we're not confident, then maybe we shouldn't do it. Or if we're not confident, then maybe we should wait to be confident. Or if we're not confident, 
that somebody messed us over, right, and didn't give us the confidence that we somehow deserve. And so there's this idea that comes from our self-esteem, kind of the way we've dumbed that idea down in our country, that really keeps us stuck. So stuck, in fact, that we can't get away from the fact that self-esteem has never panned out the way we thought it should. In fact, way back in 1986, I remember this because I was, I was working on uh, my research on resilience. In 1986, there was a big study that was done in California. I've got the book. It is a sizable book. The California Task Force on Self-Esteem decided that they needed to go look at what happens with self-esteem. And the reason is because California was putting all of this information into schools. They were trying to get teachers to teach to self-esteem, and they were trying to raise kids to have high levels of self-esteem. And so they wanted to know, was it worth it? Was it working? And so they looked at all of the research and they pulled together all of the studies. And most of the studies were first found to be irrelevant and second were found to not have a positive impact. In other words, there was not a positive correlation between a high level of self-esteem and any success in life. There was one exception and the exception was that people who, juvenile delinquents, kids who had gotten in trouble, juvenile delinquents had an excessive level of self-esteem. They felt higher, better about themselves uh, than their general peers, and that was tied into their juvenile delinquency. And if you think about it, it's tied in that if you just say, I feel good about myself because, you know, I'm a better person, then you start to believe I'm a better person than the other people, that I deserve more than other people, that the rules don't apply to me. So that whole big research that California did, they pulled together all of these studies that showed that self-esteem did not have a positive impact. There was no positive correlation with that one exception. And at the end of it, the rest of the book, the slim part of the book, then proposed how to put self-esteem into every school system in California. So think about that. Think about how firmly that tells us this belief is put in place in our culture that we believe that self-esteem is so important that even when you look at the research that proves that it does not have a positive correlation to success in life, you still opt to design programs to help people with self-esteem. That just tells you how positively we're we're tied into this. And there's nothing wrong with self-esteem as long as it's at the right place. Self-esteem tied to feeling good about the self for having done good stuff is great. I think there's something else that we've missed behind that that's really kind of a side shoot of self-esteem, which is confidence, self-confidence, the belief that you can do what you need to do. Now, self-confidence is another one of those that needs to be earned. You know, it's possible that somebody can feel self-confident without having any uh, capacity of doing that, and that gets them into trouble. So confidence, the word confidence, is built on two words, con and fidere. Uh, So that would be uh, trust. Fidelity, you can think of that. Fidelity is trust. So fidere is uh, back to that Latin for trust. And con is with. So trust with. That's trusting in something, right? And and as we trust in something, we have confidence in something, then we can talk about that in, in certain ways. For instance, sometimes researchers will come out with numbers and they'll talk about how confident they are in the numbers. 
sometimes they're not real confident. Maybe there was something sketchy about that poll or, or the researcher. And sometimes they say we have a high level of confidence in the numbers. We feel like we can take action based on these numbers. The same with other areas. You know, how much confidence do we have in our weather reporting? Uh, the other day, I was sitting out on my back porch trying to get a little sun. And uh, I'm always a little doubtful about uh, the weather report, but, you know, I usually buy into it. I have some confidence in it. And I look on my phone and it tells me it's not going to rain for 120, at least 120 minutes. Just as the drops are beginning to fall on me, <laughs> my confidence fell at that moment on, on the, the research that was behind that. And that's always true. You know, we always have these doubts in our minds. And so the question about confidence in ourselves is whether we believe that we can do something or not. And what confidence has come to mean is that we, uh, we take on things when we're confident, that there's something that there should be inborn about that, that maybe some good parenting or good teaching would make us feel confident to take on the world. And I want to challenge that. Because a lot of times we've confused two different ideas of this confidence. I believe that confidence is trusting in yourself to figure it out as it comes along. Not necessarily trusting that you have everything down. You know, think about that for a minute on how that goes through life. If you waited until you were confident that you could do something, you, you would never try it out. My early days in, uh, in, in my training were, were spent in a hospital. And if you're familiar with the medical model we have for schools, you put medical students into situations where they are there to build their confidence. God forbid that a first-year med student feels confident to do some surgery that they've never done before just because they want to feel confident. And so they pump themselves up and they go in and decide they can do it even if they don't have instructions or knowledge of it. So instead, the med school process is to learn the skill after the skill after the skill and try just beyond where you are. So you're not trying to do brain surgery the first time you're in the operating room. The first time you're in the operating room, you might just be handing over instruments and you might be eventually try getting to stitch someone after practicing on something else. And eventually you might hold a scalpel to you know, start the process and, and on and on it goes as you build on that. That's building confidence to do the next piece. That's a pretty good model for what confidence is about. Confidence is not something you should have. It's something that you earn along the way. But a core level that I believe that we can have is the belief that we can figure this thing called life out as it comes our way, that we can figure it out. Think about how that could happen for you. You know, you say, you know, I want to try this new thing. I don't know anything about it, but I'm confident that I can figure it out a piece at a time. Not I'm confident I'm going to be good. So fair disclosure here, I've decided that one of the things that I haven't done is learn to play an instrument. That doesn't mean I haven't had opportunities to learn to play a musical instrument. I just haven't learned. So that goes all the way back to when I was in school and I was part of the band and I was playing the trombone, or I should be saying I was acting like I was playing the trombone because I wasn't very good. So a lot of times, you know, I would kind of move my slide the way it was supposed to be and all that, but I really wasn't making a noise because I wasn't confident, because I hadn't put in the time to practice, because I wasn't naturally gifted at it, and so I was not confident to make the right noise. There was one moment, I remember this so distinctly, uh, when we were in band practice, 
And all of our, us Trump owners were kind of in the same situation where we just, you know, we weren't ready to be first chair for sure. And most of us would rather not be there at all. And and I remember when the first two chairs of the trombone were somewhere else. And so it was time for the trombones to count, sound in. And we were all sliding, but there was no noise. We were all doing the same thing. So tromboning wasn't my thing. I tried drumming, but my rhythm wasn't as good as it needed to be, so I didn't do that. I tried piano and learned a little bit of piano when I was in grad school, but never stuck with it. And so now I'm deciding to learn the ukulele, not because I think I'll ever be on the stage performing, but just because I wanted to make a noise with an instrument. And a guitar has six strings and a ukulele only has four, and I've got more than enough fingers for that. So I figured I would try that out. So here's the thing. I'm confident that I can figure out the chords and I can figure out how to play it, but I'm not confident that I can play it right now. I'm not confident that I'm able to do that. If I had that confidence, it would be false confidence. I can't really play a song. Now, I did learn a couple of songs early on that were just by you know the chords, and that didn't mean I sounded great, but I could play them along and you know kind of pretend like I was playing the ukulele, but that's part of the process. I'll learn it a step at a time. So part of the process of how we apply it to anything in life is I can figure it out as I go. That's confidence. That's finding a way to have confidence in that process. So think of confidence as trusting yourself to figure it out, not trusting yourself to have figured it out, not trusting yourself to have it all down pat, but a willingness to take a step towards figuring it out. So confidence really isn't a given. It's something that we build along the way. But you can't wait for it to suddenly arrive on you. You know, if you, we always are comparing yourself. I went to a Jake, uh, Jake Shimabukura concert some time ago, and let me tell you, I'm amazed by what can happen on ukulele. That's, I don't believe that's going to be me, nor do I believe that I should suddenly be that way. That's not me, but man, it gives you a place to say, wow, that's, this is what's possible. Now I've got to figure out how to step there. It's kind of like a muscle. Our confidence muscle builds over time as we use it, not when we wait for our muscles to suddenly pop up, but as we use it. The other day I was in a gym watching this guy who um, pretty clearly, it was, he was a, a kind of new in the gym, and he was confidently walking around confidently ready to work out and I watched him load up for a deadlift and he put some weight on this and he was confident as he could be or at least he appeared to be he was either faking it or was truly confident he put on a belt and he went over and he huffed and he puffed and he put his grip on it and he readjusted his grip and he got ready and he yanked up and the bar didn't move the weights didn't move at all his confidence was false because he had not built up to that level but he could be confident of moving in that direction had he chosen to do it step by step. There was another person that was right beside him who walked over and easily did the same deadlift. Why? Because he had been doing the work to get to the place of feeling confident that he could move that. Confidence has to be built over time. It's not something that suddenly comes. And what gets in our way is that we let fear keep us from acting. We want to feel confidence and a lack of fear before we try something out. I don't believe those two things are mutually exclusive. I believe that fear is a feeling that doesn't have to decide our action. It's a feeling 
that we can realize and decide that we can step forward. So remember that fear is just a feeling and that acting is the choice. And we can always move towards an action that moves us in a better direction that results in confidence. Whether we fail or succeed, we gain some confidence along the way. Sometimes after we fail at something, we can, we can lose our confidence. Or we can see that as an opportunity to have learned something else that will help us succeed along the way. Every path of success is littered with failures and mistakes along the way to it that somebody chose to learn from. Not that they suddenly felt that their confidence was shaken. Because if you believe that your, your confidence is in, I can do that, you're going to struggle when you didn't do it. But what if you see it as a progression? I can figure it out, the next thing. Ooh, that didn't work, so I can figure out a new way. Ooh, that didn't work, so I can figure out a new way. And as we do that, it's kind of like wandering down a dark hall. You know, you can look down at that, that length of that hall and feel the fear and decide never to go down that hall. Or you could decide to walk confidently down the wall only, or down the hall only to bump into a wall and get hurt. Or you could slowly move down the hall, feel your way along, find the next place where it turns with your hands and work your way around it and, and realize that when you come to a wall, you don't say, I failed. You say, okay, now I need to find a new direction. So think of your building confidence as building the steps along the way with a base confidence that you will figure it out as you go. And imagine yourself walking down that hall. Just because there's a wall in your way doesn't mean there's been a failure. It just means there's an obstacle that we need to move around. Okay, so this is the tool that you're putting in your tool set today. This is confidence. Not the false confidence that's caused by people telling you how great you are and how competent you are, but it's based on you knowing that you can figure it out as you go and that you don't have to have ultimate confidence in the fact that you can do something to take a step toward doing that thing. You can learn along the way that part of confidence is learning and growing and taking on the struggles. And confidence is something that's always built. It's not something that suddenly erupts. It's something that is always built by doing something toward that. Okay, if this has been helpful for you, recognize that part of where this is coming from is my belief that we can all learn to thrive, that I don't believe there's a certain subset of us that suddenly know how to thrive and everybody else is kind of left out of the party, but that we can all learn to thrive and we can all thrive more than we are right now. My task for myself, as much as I've studied thriving and resilience, is how I keep applying it more and more in my life, how I can learn to thrive no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what the challenges are. And this is based in my research that went into my book, Thrive Principles. If you're familiar with that, Thrive Principles are 15 strategies for helping you thrive in your life no matter what's coming your way. These are, are strategies you can pick and choose because here's the cool thing about Thrive Principles. When you start applying a few of the principles, the others begin to fall in place. 
If you're interested in that, you can find more about that at thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com, or you can find it wherever you're, you regularly buy books. It'll be there for you waiting, and if it's not there, ask them to order it for you and ask if they would have a couple more copies so that we can spread the, muscle, the, the message of how to thrive in this world. Given what's going on right now, we all need some more thriving. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you build your thriving life. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it.